Hey, hey, you're listening to Rising Into Mindful Motherhood. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Wood. I'm a barefoot mama bear, pharmacist, integrative fertility health coach, and lover of all things nature and animals. I'm on a mission to have intentional conversations about the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. My mindful guests and I will be talking about struggles, wins, natural wellness, and how we grow and transform as we enter motherhood. My background in healthcare has shown me how broken our medical system is. My own struggles to become pregnant has shown the lack of support for mamas-to-be, the lack of guidance for women to have a nourishing and vibrant pregnancy, the isolation, mom guilt, and all the things we hold after bringing baby Earthside. I want this platform to be a place where women can feel connected, safe and supported to share and hear their stories. A place to use our voice to discuss and advocate about what we need and deserve as mothers. So let's dive in, shall we? Hello and welcome to Rising Into Mindful Motherhood. Today I'll be talking with Laura Donnelly. She is a teacher, mentor, choreographer, dancer, writer, business coach, and the founder of Dancing With Ease. She teaches body-brain balance online and in person, and today we're going to be talking about creating healthy boundaries and how this reduces stress and overwhelm and just allows people to experience more joy in life. So welcome, Laura. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Katie. It's so great to be here and to um, to talk with you again. It's always fun and creates new ideas and new new thoughts for me. So thank you so much. Yeah. So I would love to hear a little bit about you and your business, Dancing with Ease. What's what's all that about? Um, the, the main thing for me is that ease is our basic natural state. Mm-hmm. It's like a state of grace or flow. People have different names for it. But it's, uh, it's how we're meant to be. Mm-hmm. Before we get self-conscious, before we get nervous, before we start to compare ourselves to other people, um, all of the things that that happen as we grow up trying to master having a physical body, which is not easy, and living in the in the world. You know, like when you're a toddler and you can't reach stuff, you might have a temper tantrum because you know the thing you want is is just above your head Mm -hmm. and learning to negotiate that maybe learning that that if it's an okay thing for you to have you have the authority and the agency to get the step stool and get it if you're not supposed to have it (laughs) you also know you're not supposed to have it and you can be mad you know and so then for for like boundaries as a parent is to support that learning and sometimes I think um I think kids internalize things Mm -hmm. uh, differently than the parent intends them and and then they think I can do this and I can't do that and and then we start to create rigid boundaries inside of ourselves about what is acceptable or unacceptable Mm -hmm. and um and I sort of feel like maybe maybe through the middle twenties is this 
skill acquisition and mastery phase of living, which is uh, my, and the reason I use dancing is I, I was a dancer and, and this is, this is no rules, no right and wrong. This is more like an improvisational dance with ourselves, mm-hmm. with the ease in ourselves, with our natural state. So, you know, when we're little, if we're unhappy, we cry. And, and if we're happy, we laugh. But then we grow up a bit and it's better, safer, more acceptable not to cry in front of people when we're disappointed or sad. And, and then even there's certain places you're supposed to be happy and joyful and other places not. And so, so we, get, we start to get these set of rules and then, then we... Sometimes people go back and they say, well, when I was young, I loved this thing. And so then like maybe in their 30s, they re-embrace an activity or something that brought them joy as a kid that they left behind because they imagined it was childish. Mm-hmm. So, so dancing was like that too for me, getting all these skills. And then I had this uh, Russian teacher and she came and she said, skills are fine but skills without life and energy and connection, it's just like a machine and it's missing all the human elements. Mm. And so then I was like, ah, so then I'm like, how do I get back to my human elements? (laughs) Which were never gone because we can't get rid of them. We just kind of ignore them. Mm -hmm. And so then I started looking at what's a, What's a useful boundary inside myself? What's a not useful boundary? Same thing in the world. Who are people uh, in my inner circle close to me that get to be in my inside boundaries? And then there's people a little bit further out and people further out. And then people way on the outside that are maybe people I met and worked with once or twice but they aren't, they aren't close. So I don't need to give them all of the same information that I give to my inner circle. Sometimes maybe my inner circle doesn't need as much information as I want to give them. And so this, these boundaries aren't rules. They aren't rigid. They aren't like fences. At one point I, I had some boundaries that I, I put up that felt like a metal fence with razor wire on the top (laughs) because I, I had, um, I had very poor boundaries as I was growing up and my, my family was really close after my dad died and we kind of fused emotionally and it was how we survived, Mm. but it wasn't healthy long-term. And so then to step away from that, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand that, that I could have a clear boundary that I could see through, that people could see through, but there was a pausing place and beyond this, we didn't go. So does that help a little? Yeah, I, you know, kind of incorporating the dancing element, I'm just kind of envisioning just a lot of flow and flexibility. And, you know, as you kind of explained it more, you know, that became more clear that really that's what boundaries are all about. It doesn't have to be like a 10 foot, you know, concrete or brick wall. Um, It could be 
transparent where you can both, you know, still see on the other side and, and yeah, maybe there's like room to stretch one way or the other, depending on, you know, I, I like to say like people, places or things like just depending on, on what the boundary is even for to begin with. Yeah. And and one of the things I, I think about often is, you know, what I'm going to share, who I'm going to share it with when I'm sharing it with somebody and why I'm sharing it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we can share information in a way that is, is to get sympathy or to create um, what for somebody to feel sorry for us to step in and help us. Why would I share that? Or I could share something that pushes people away. If I think about those questions before I do that, and, and also who, who is this person to me? that I want them to know this piece of information. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't have to be um, mean, but, it, but it's like a parent. And see, and, and one of the things is when my, when my dad died, he fell in an accident and um, was in the hospital for a few days and, and we didn't know what was happening. And all the adults said to me, everything's going to be fine. They were trying to create a safe space for me so that I wouldn't be upset. Mm -hmm. And and everywhere I looked, the information I was getting as a child, energetically and visually, I mean, we, we picked up and moved to my grandma's house. I'm like, okay, everything is not going to be fine. Families don't move in with their mom's parents if everything is fine. Mm -hmm. you know, but still, everybody, everything is going to be fine. And now, from where I am now, I can say, I understand the desire to protect. Yeah. And I understand their fear in not knowing and not wanting to communicate that to me. But because I was a, a highly sensitive child, I absorbed all that emotion. And so parents and children have that that connection, um, I think, especially mothers and children, because because the baby was inside you for so long. I mean, you feel it. You feel it all the time. You feel its heartbeat. It feels your heartbeat. You guys line up. Mm -hmm. You get out of sync. You know the whole the whole thing. And so, and then when the baby can't talk, like the whole first year, you're kind of intuiting everything, right? Oh. This, this signal means that thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's up to the mom, pretty much, and the dad to a certain degree to allow themselves to be open to other levels of communication. Mm -hmm. And then as, as the children grow, I'm, I, I have friends and they're saying to their, their kid, use your words. Yeah. And that's a new boundary, right? This is a boundary. I'm not going to give you what I know you want because I know it in my body and from past experience because I want you to be able to communicate with any adult what you, you know, that you need a drink of water. Mm -hmm. And so, so then it's the parents creating a new boundary in communication. And I think 
I think boundaries are really all about communication. And it's, you know, adult communication, adult to child communication, child to child communication, um, nonverbal communication. The big part of being a parent is nonverbal communication. And then there's the fact that as we grow and change as, as parents and as children, that, that the boundaries need to, to be always moving. You know, and uh, I, I often think about, you know, riding a bicycle. And I taught my brother to ride a bike because by the time he had a bike, my, my dad had been dead and my mom was doing everything. So she couldn't be running behind the bicycle holding him up. And so he was perfectly capable of riding, but he wanted me behind him. And I'm holding the seat, I'm holding the seat you know, by two, by two fingers. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just let go, but I kept running behind him for a while. And then I stopped and I said, you're riding, you're riding. He got really mad at me. And I was like, but you were riding. He said, but you weren't there. I said, I was here. You know, and, and that, when is it time to change the boundary? Mm -hmm. And, um, so, so do you have examples of boundaries in your life that are fun and easy and boundaries that kind of make you go, so, sometimes it's a phone call from somebody, right? Can give us a like, icky, uh, it, and this is generally a sign to me that, that I don't have a good boundary with that person. Mm-hmm. That, that momentary tensing in my system is a, what are they going to want? What do they need? Can I say no? without hurting their feelings? Is it okay if I say no and hurt their feelings? You know, just all of these things pop up for me. Mm -hmm. So how old is your little girl now? She's four. She turned four in a... (laughs) That's a beautiful age. It is. It is. Yeah, she is uh, four, maybe going on 14. Oh, no. Very independent, like her mother. Um, <laughs> she so knows she knows what she wants. Very, very smart. Um, very perceptive too. I would definitely say that she is an empath, as am I. So she picks up on so many things. Um, yeah, very a little stubborn too which which we're going through this um phase of where it's like okay it's time to get ready for bed okay well I just have to do this I I have to do one more thing and then I have to go do this and oh just one more thing and then I'll be right there mom (laughs) so so that yeah I mean I would say that that even constitutes as a boundary is for both of us really both parent and child is wanting to allow her to communicate the things that she wants to do, needs to do, um, and also while allowing her to be in her creativity. You know, a lot of times the things she wants to do is like, I don't even know, like wash her bath time toys and just do all these kind of very creative, fun, imaginative activities. But then it also gets to a point where it's like, okay, like you've done 
three extra things. We still have to get you in your pajamas. Um, you've been in there f- five extra minutes. So it is kind of like, you know, you can come out here and come get your pajamas on, or I'm going to have to go in there and bring you out here to get your pajamas on. So yeah, that's that's been an interesting part right now. And it's it's it is interesting because because before a couple months ago, probably you said, let's go to bed. And she says, okay, and goes right in there and goes right along with the next thing. Mm-hmm. And now she has enough other things that she likes to do that she she's like, wait, but I, I didn't finish this and I didn't finish that. And, mm-hmm. and, and then the challenge is, like you said, how many things does she get to do? extra because when does it become that she's just thinking of things so she doesn't have to go to bed because you told her it was bedtime (laughs) and so there's a way that boundaries are negotiation and I think when we can be clear in ourselves about and like for you like if you, you say you can I know you have five things you want to do before you can go to bed, but you need to pick three. Mm-hmm. And the other two we'll do in the morning, first thing when you get up. Oh. Well, and if these five things need to be done every day, maybe two of them need to be done earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. And, and suddenly she's, without even really talking about anything, you're talking about time management. Mm-hmm. And teaching choice and skills. And which are these things, these five things that have to happen before bed, which three are the most important? Right. Because, because that's a boundary for grownups. Mm-hmm. I can't do everything. I want to do everything. But if I do this, I can't do that because they are at the same time. So how do, you know, so I had real trouble with that when I was in my 20s. I would, I would go to a dance festival and they would, you would just pick a class schedule. And I'm like, yeah, but you put this modern class right next to this ballet class. I need both, mm-hmm. you know? And they are like, they're just like laughing at me going, well, well, you can't split yourself in half and be in two places at once. And I'm like, but you could do the schedule better. <laughs> that was that was me, young person, me saying, telling the grownups, you could do the schedule better. Yeah. And um, so, <laughs> and I still... I still fall into that. You know, there's so many things I like to do and want to do and, um, and when to quit, when to clean up, when to the start the next activity. We don't think of those as boundaries, mm-hmm. but they're boundaries. And as, as an emotional person, the piece of the boundary is, is to, for me, was to learn not to accept the other person's feelings and emotions as mine. Mm-hmm. And, I think I think sometimes that's very easy because emotions are fluid. They're fluid in us and they're fluid in the other person. And you know, like if you have a glass that's half full and you pour more water in, which is the new water and which is the old water? Oops. <laughs> yeah. It's all it's all mushed together. And I think that's one of the very challenging things for empathetic people. And a friend I just talked to this morning. She said that she thinks that that motherhood brings up 
the the empathy that you have inherent in you. It wakes it up even more. Mm-hmm. And she's also a dancer, and she and she also said, I think that that dancers use empathy when when working with other bodies in space. And uh, so she was kind of, she's like, maybe that's why I've, you know, like, I, like I'm walking through the restaurant or a coffee shop here mm-hmm. and I'm aware of where all the people are. I can feel them on the edge of my skin because when you're dancing, this is how you know you're close to somebody or not. That you can feel that's going to sound crazy, but who cares? <laughs> you can feel like like when the the you can feel long before you touch. Mm-hmm. You can feel the approach of somebody. Same thing with with your kid, and 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 I think sometimes parents wake up in the night, maybe a few minutes before their child cries. Mm-hmm. What 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 was that? Well, that was a energetic connection between the two of you that brought you to enough awakeness that when the baby cried, you got up and whether it was hungry or wet or whatever, you knew something was coming. So those are simple things. But when it's, uh, when it's emotional pain, as opposed to a physical discomfort, which which we want try and mediate as much as we can, right? Even people, adults we care about, we try to make them feel better when they feel sad. And to be okay being beside somebody who feels really sad, mm. frustrated, to allow them to be with their feelings yeah, and not have to change them. They don't have to change them to be with me because I'm uncomfortable that they feel this strongly about something. They might, they might be embarrassed that they feel so strongly about something. And if I can just be centered in myself, not sucked into how I feel physically and emotionally and mentally, when I have that same issue or energetic feeling, if I can just come back to myself, be present. And I bet a lot of times with your daughter, if you're just present, she's having a meltdown, she calms down really fast. Mm-hmm. But if you try to intercede and, oh, do you need a drink of water? How about a lollipop? How about this? How, here's your favorite dolly. This just kind of continues the angst and all of the things you try, you try from the most kind-hearted place. And so, so that that space, when I don't flow into the other person, and I I don't reject what they're sending out, but I don't absorb it. Yeah. That actually lets them find their calm center more quickly. Mm-hmm. But but it's kind of hard especially like if your kid falls down and is crying, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you want to pick them up and make it all better right away. And, and this, and picking them up and I'm probably a little bit too intellectual for, for small children, but, but 
now I say something like, you're going to be okay. It hurts right now, but you're going to be okay. And for me, that's more coherently honest. Right. Whereas um, they bump their head, you know, they're crying. Maybe it hurt. Maybe they were just startled. But you're going to be okay. That gives a whole different empowerment inside the child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then there's the boundaries between parents concerning an issue with the child. <laughs> there's so much communication mm-hmm. and so, so many areas where boundaries overlap. You know, in my family, we did it this way. In your family, you did it that way. Do, are these compatible or, or do they crash? And it worked for you. Yours worked for you. Mine worked for me. Our child isn't you and our child isn't me. What's going to work for our child? Mm-hmm. And that's, then that's a boundary between past and present. Because a lot of times people just say, well, this is what we did in my house. And so we're just going to keep doing it. You know, and uh, so one time my brother said that. What did he say? He was making a grilled cheese sandwich. We were all at my mom's house. And he just threw some butter on the griddle and he got ready to throw the, the bread with the cheese in it. And my mom goes, that's not how we do it. We butter the bread and then we put it on the griddle. And he goes, mom, there's a lot of ways to make a grilled cheese. <laughs> her way used less butter and came from her childhood, which was growing up during the depression. Right. His way came out of the 80s, 90s, when he had plenty of everything and had never lived through rationing. And whap, just throw a couple tablespoons of butter on the griddle and let it sizzle. Mm-hmm. But for the two of them, this was a, a negotiation, which I got to watch, <laughs> <laughs> in how... How we do things as a family, how he does things as a person, and how she does things as a person. And so up until then, I hadn't really thought about the way I do things as being a boundary. And so... So for me, it's, I just also, I'm smiling because we get serious about this, you know, and if you read any of the 12 step stuff and the codependency things and the, you know, it can be, it can feel heavy and, um, and it can feel like, oh, if I screw this up, I'm going to screw up my kid. Everybody has to learn this and you can, you can do everything the best way possible and it can produce a wrong result Mm -hmm. the result you didn't want the opposite result that you wanted and you can have a day where you're just really busy and you don't have time and you can't do this and you can't do that and you and you come in the kitchen and the kid made you an iced tea so from doing what you thought was the wrong stuff and ignoring your child this opened a space for your child to do something for you and so It's just what is, 
and what's what am I going to choose next? If I didn't like this, how can I do something better? How can I explore a softer interaction? Mm-hmm. Or if I feel myself you know, always, um, always reaching to help somebody. My husband said that, that he couldn't pour a glass of milk till he was eight. He just had never done it because his mom was so fast and so busy and she had three other kids and the youngest was disabled. She didn't have time for him to practice. Yeah. Spill the milk because she'd have to clean it up or she'd have to take twice as long while she taught him how to clean it up. Just easier for her to just grab the thing and, you know, take it out of his hands and pour it. For him, this is still um, an invasion of his boundaries, his personal boundaries, his personal way of dealing things. Mm-hmm. So that, so that if he's if he's working on something and I start to stand there and like, you know, <laughs> then I have to like say, back up, Laura, just back up. He he didn't ask for help. Mm-hmm. He can figure this out or he can ask for help but he doesn't need me to decide he needs help and then to step in Mm -hmm. and and that negotiation as a parent too is an interesting place you know how much mess can you have in your kitchen while your kid learns to do something (laughs) yeah i understand that (laughs) well and and some days maybe you can can let them make the jello, right? And stir the ice cubes and spill the jello out. I probably people don't do jello anymore. We did a lot of jello when I was a kid. <laughs> and you, you know, stir the ice cubes and you get it cold, you know, you put it in the fridge. And and maybe you have time to clean up if there's a mess. But if you have another thing happening and you've got another thing happening and your husband maybe has to be somewhere at, after dinner, mm-hmm. we don't have that time. And to be okay with those changing boundaries, then that also helps us to teach the children we're around that every situation isn't the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, so do you, do you have thoughts or questions about boundaries? Today's episode of Rising Into Mindful Motherhood is proudly sponsored by the Confident Conception Membership. Are you or someone you know on what feels like a never-ending journey to motherhood, facing an uphill battle of fertility challenges? I'm Dr. Katie, your podcast host, pharmacist, and integrative fertility coach with over a decade of experience. I've been where you are, and I understand the roller coaster of emotions and heartache. That's why I've created the Confident Conception Membership, a program designed to help you address the real reasons behind fertility challenges. Like my client, Elizabeth, who struggled with fertility for nine years, having tried and failed other programs. She was in disbelief when just a couple of months into using my confident conception method, she finally got her first positive pregnancy test and welcomed her healthy baby boy this year. Using the confident conception method, we combine traditional medicine and energy healing to unlock your innate and abundant fertility potential. This isn't just about 
putting a band-aid on to cover up the physical symptom. It's about healing the energetic and physical root causes. As a member, you'll receive personalized guidance, bi-weekly live coaching calls, and become a part of a supportive community of like-minded women who truly understand what you're going through. We offer flexible payment options, plus our annual members receive exclusive savings and bonuses to accelerate their path to pregnancy. Don't let another month of frustration and overwhelm pass you by. As a special offer to our listeners, you can use the promo code PODCAST10 to receive 10% off the lifetime of your membership. Secure your spot now and expedite your journey to motherhood today by visiting www.yourempoweredfertility.com slash membership to learn more and enroll. Together, we'll pave the way to your confident conception for a future filled with joy, unconditional love, and the pitter-patter of tiny feet. The link is in the show notes. Sign up today and your future self will thank you. Yeah, I think what you're saying just now, I have like a perfect example. And I think that that also involves communication when boundaries may be changing, especially when you're dealing with children. So for the most part, um, like I had mentioned, my daughter is very independent. She's been getting herself dressed, putting her shoes on since I don't even know, at least two. I'm not really sure. Time is so weird with a small child, but um, on the rare occasion, there are some days where no, mommy and daddy have to get your shoes on because we have to leave right now or whatever the situation may be. Like recently she's wanting to climb up to get into her car seat or to climb out of the car seat. But there are some days where, no, I have to just pick you up and put you in there. And I, you know, I like to explain to her it's because A, we don't have time or we have to get here at a certain time and to kind of, you know, give her an understanding of what's going on and allow, like, let her know that I'm, I'm seeing you, I'm hearing you, you want to do this. And I am, I'm so sorry that you can't do this yourself right now. And I feel like that brings up another point that I think a lot of parents deal with, especially like moms, you know, that mom guilt. I do find myself feeling badly sometimes where I'm like, I feel like I'm taking this away from her, like this opportunity to do it herself, but I don't, you know, I don't simmer in that or anything. I'm pretty like, okay, it is what it is, but you know, having that understanding both on the parent side and communicating it to the child that it is okay, that, you know, maybe every single time you're not going to be able to put your own shoes on or get in your own car seat because circumstances change they're not always going to be the same yeah yeah and that um that thing you brought up too mom guilt can show up anytime anywhere out of the blue right and a simple thing like getting into the car seat you know but if you have to be to an appointment we don't have seven minutes to Mm -hmm. we just don't have it yeah. Today. Now, another day, maybe we leave 20 minutes early. So we have something exactly. for you to climb in. But but that's a different day, a different set of circumstances. And I think what you said is really important is 
to share with the child, not every day is the same. And, and now, now this is maybe just me. And so this is an interesting, it would really help mommy today if you would let me do this. Mm -hmm. So that they realize that everything is a give and take in a family. Yeah. And, um, and they are as important in the giving and taking and that they have things they can give. Because I think a lot of times in the very beginning, they are mostly receiving. Mm -hmm. And they're giving laughs and, and joy and hugs and kisses and things, but they maybe don't perceive of that as this giving and taking within the family dynamic. Mm -hmm. And th that's, that's, again, another boundary. And I think part of what happens to is to moms is they end up with an idea that they are to be all giving, all providing, all present, all the time. Mm -hmm. And and when I'm working with a with a young mother, I don't address that specifically. What I go around to is what does that teach your child? in the do what I say, not what I do. But what we do is we do what we see people doing. Mm -hmm. And so if that's what your child sees, that's what they will absorb as the way of doing things. Yeah. And if that wasn't what you meant to teach, then, then we just pause, <laughs> just pause. Mm -hmm. and come back, you know, come back to self. And then, and then I think that, 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 that in that way, uh, moms especially can, can begin to take care of themselves as they take care of their child. Because I think it's very easy to, to think, well, um, I'll get some rest later, a few years from now, after, <laughs> the, after the baby's a little bit bigger, I'll get some rest. Yeah. Or I'll I'll start to walk and take care of my body later. Mm -hmm. you know? And um and I don't really want to teach that to the children I'm around. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to be selfish. And that's the other thing, is if everybody's always giving to somebody, they they get this feeling of they should always be given to. And in a way, it's a kind of a flip thing. So in the beginning, they think they should get everything. But then later, when they are interacting with people, they end up doing the doormat routine again. Mm -hmm. And and so it's a... And that's what I mean by by dancing with ease in terms of... And, and dancing with your boundaries. What is the boundary like when you need to get to the appointment and you have to put the kid into the... Carsey, maybe that's not the boundary when you come out from the appointment because you don't have to be anywhere later. And that takes a little bit more of time on the and presence mm -hmm. yeah, for the yeah. mom to keep, ah, oh, this is a different time. Okay. Take your time climbing in the car. Let me see how you how, let me see how good you can do it. You know, here's my stopwatch. How fast can you do it? Yeah. And, but it, then it can be a it can be a game, and it's not it's not a habit 
what becomes a habit is staying present in the moment and 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 the quickly just quickly assessing am i losing myself in this situation am i taking on something that's not mine in this situation can i let go of what's not mine and just be here mm-hmm. and and trust that i know the next right step which we usually do yeah. when we're not when we're not like <laughs> yeah so, yeah, that's, yeah, you have a, a wonderful way of describing boundaries because I feel like, and I'm thinking more along the lines of my fertility clients because that's who I work with mostly, but I feel like some people, they don't even know what boundaries even mean, um, which, you know, we have given you've given a lot of different examples and and how that can look but I think that like the the word boundary can be really intimidating for some people and that it can feel like a boundary is almost like an all or nothing type thing um and depending on the client and what their situation is typically there are very loose or non-existing boundaries with other family members and you know what would you say or recommend to someone who is realizing that they don't have boundaries but they need to create some but they don't really know how to like do you have any tips on where someone can even start because I do think that a lot of us don't have any boundaries like whatsoever and probably don't even really have an understanding of boundaries. Like the way you've been describing it, I don't think that's the common knowledge or understanding of like, oh, that is a boundary. Okay. Ah, this is a good question. <laughs> no, it's really good. It's really good. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, how do I know this? How do I re- remember this? How do I? So, so the first thing that I suggest to people is is to pay attention to their body and how it, how it feels, Mm. you know, how it feels at rest, how it feels um, when they're exercising, how it feels um, when they're on their way somewhere, but they're late. Mm. And uh, you know, how it feels at the end of a day, long at the end of a long day, how does your body feel when you come into your safe space at your house, provided it's safe? <laughs> because because sometimes you come home to chaos, mm-hmm. and you don't come home to, uh, and you can let the the day go. So so how how the body the body's communicating with us all the time, and. It's interesting that you said that a lot of times people don't think about boundaries because I think many times we put up a boundary in our brain and we cut out the information from our body. From our body saying, you know, like um, one of the, this is a quick one, but it's like I used to live in New York City and I 
would be going home from rehearsal late in the evening and, you know, walking down a busy street, populated street, but then there's a subway entrance, which is usually at the dark corner. And, um, but I had several neighborhoods that I was in frequently. And every once in a while, I would go to a familiar stop and I would start down the steps and I would feel the hair on the back of my neck raise up. And I would immediately back up and go to the next entrance. And, and even if I was with friends, I'm like, we're going to go over here and get, you know, we're going to go another block. We're going to walk another block, two blocks, three blocks. We're going to go in another entrance. And they would say, why? And I said, don't ask me. We're just going to do it because I felt crazy, right? So well, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. And so we're not going down here. <laughs> and, and it was just right then at that place, my body didn't feel safe. And every time I have ignored that, information from my body, I've gotten hurt, or I've lost something. Mm. And so the first boundary that I kind of ask people to explore is the boundary with their body. Even is my body hungry now? Mm -hmm. You know, like, like sometimes I, I come home and, and I'm, you know, kind of depleted from being out doing whatever I'm doing. And I think I want something to eat. And I just pause and I say, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? What do you need? Little simple questions. But it's me asking my body as if my body was a little kid. Instead of just uh, walking in the door and gr grabbing something, you know, and especially in the summer when it's hot and I want something salty, I'm thirsty. I want something salty because it's going to make me thirstier and I'm going to drink something. But really, I just need to drink something. So, so that's the first, and it's maybe not the easiest boundary to explore because it's inside of ourselves and, you know, and especially as a dancer, you know, there's a, you're kind of taught to ignore pain mm -hmm. and pain is a signal from your body. And so, uh, and also you're a wimp if you give into pain, especially also if you're an athlete or something, you know, and, and at the same time, there's dangerous pain and there is warning pain and there's, and there's discomfort. Those are different, different levels of information. And mm -hmm. in the beginning, we, we can't discern the different information sort of the way when you have a baby, like you learn their cries, right? This is a, you know, this is, I'm a hungry cry. Mm -hmm. This is a, a, you know, my diaper's wet cry. They have, they have different sounds and, and you learn that language. So your body has a language. Then once you, once you start to pay attention to that, you can notice when you, uh, two things, you can notice like if, uh, like if you're going to talk to your mom or your sister or a family member, what, do you suddenly stop breathing? That's a sign that there's a discomfort in your system, whether it's mentally or physically, it, it reacts physically in your body. So things we think, are expressed in the body and 
the body gathers sensations from the world and gives us information in the mind. But again, if we have made this, this boundary, and I, I don't, my head doesn't check down, <laughs> and my head doesn't let anything come up, then I, I'm losing half the information I have in the world. So then if, like, if your breathing changes in almost any situation, that for me is a um, signal to pause, to check in. Ask, ask what's going on. Now, I read, I read the, there's are old now. These books are old. Um, there's two, but I think they're good. I think the information is good. A little bit step-by-step. Step. One is codependent no more. And the other one is beyond codependency. And of course, since it was me, I read beyond codependency first because I understood that I lost myself in helping other people. I, I understood what that was. <clears throat> and I often made other people's needs and wants more important than my own needs and wants. And as I began to unravel it, and this is probably a chronic problem for some, some of the people you know, is I felt guilty. Mm -hmm. And that's why I thought, I thought I had to put up really big, big walls is, is because I felt guilty if I said, no, I can't meet you for, even I can't meet you for lunch. Okay, this is a tiny thing, but I felt guilty. And so I had to put up a big wall, you know, and, and give yourself grace because you will make mistakes. You will make mistakes when you're starting to set boundaries and it's okay. But in the beginning, also, I felt like I couldn't make any mistakes. Mm. And, and maybe like, you know, as you're working with somebody who's, uh, is working on their health and uh, in order to move their fertility journey forward. And, and so they went out for Mexican food and had a bunch of chips and hot sauce and a beer. And, oh, no, nah, nah, you just had a little blip on the radar. It's not going to ruin your, all the other healthy eating you did. Now, if you went for chips every day, beer every day, this, you know, that's a different thing. But but in the beginning, it's like like one mistake. And that's the, I think that having no boundaries for me made my, made my, the, the fear of making mistakes gigantic because it would ripple out into all these people that I was kind of fused with. And um, threads too, sorry, threads is another like a tangled knot. Confused boundaries are like a tangled knot. And so if you talk to a, a family member and they're upset about something and then you're upset afterwards, you, you've got some tangled threads. Hmm. You can be compassionate, but like if my husband is angry from, from talking it on the phone, he does, works on the phone. And, and if he's angry because he's had a certain kind of client all day long in there, there's no point in me getting angry. But if I get if I absorb his anger and I just that's I I blew my boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to say, oh wait. And in, and so then it can sound extremely ineffective. But also sorry, 
now I'm excited. There, then I lose my boundaries when I get excited. Okay? <laughs> so good things can make us lose our boundaries. Yeah. And I was like, but um, and I probably forgot what it was because I was so excited about the good things making me lose my boundaries. But that's okay. It'll come back. Um, it can seem like we don't care. And this was what I was going to say, is that, is that women, you know, it, or a lot of times we have a little talk and, and we go out with our friend and, and I'm so upset about this. And, I'm, and I want you to be upset about this with me. And then, and then you tell me I'm so justified in being upset. And again, no, sorry, bad boundaries. <laughs> but women are kind of taught to act like that. Start, starting, I think, in junior high. You know, my best friend is mad. And so I'm going to be mad with my best friend and she's mad at this person. And that person never did anything to me, but I'm going to be mad at that person too, because they did X, Y, and Z to my friend. And that's like, they did it to me. Mm -hmm. uh, no, no. So there's a whole piece of logic that we have to apply gently. Although what I tell people is like the, a, it's a hummingbird feather sword. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a sword. And a hummingbird is incredibly powerful, right? It flies thousands of miles north and south every year. But it's this teeny little bird, teeny. But when I feel myself pulling into somebody else's emotional storm, I, I have to cut that, cut those cords. Mm -hmm. I say to myself, mm. and then and I say, that's them. And it's okay that that's them. And then if we've had this kind of relationship where I just dive in with them, then I have to be willing to deal with the fact that they're probably going to get mad at me because I didn't join them in their panic. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole nother boundary. Can I be okay with this person I care about a tremendous amount being angry at me because I did something differently that was more healthy for me. Mm -hmm. This probably happens like if your clients start changing their diet, this can make a really difficult thing within a family. Oh, yeah. Traditional foods, family holidays. You know, uh, I have a friend, she's, uh, she's from Italy. She said, I'm gluten intolerant. How can I be Italian? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not able to eat pasta. You know, she said, but I feel so much better when I don't eat it. Yeah. But this was a difficult thing to negotiate at first for her with her family and the traditional foods. And, um, and then there's the whole thing with families where they think they have the right to give you advice, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's out of the best intention. You know, I went to an acupuncturist and it was the best thing ever. Well, that's great, Laura. I'm so happy for you. And I, I said, well, you should go to an acupuncturist. And then Katie says, maybe I'll look at that. And, and then I have to say, oh, what's great for me is maybe not great for you. Mm-hmm. But that's really hard in families too, because we care about the people and we want the best for them. 
And it's very easy to forget that what was good for me might not be good for my brother, my sister, my cousin. And then even if it would be good for them and they make a different choice for me to let them make that different choice because that's their path to growth. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lordy, that one's hard. Especially especially if you see them walking to the edge of a cliff or heading to the top of the staircase and they don't know they're coming to a staircase and, and you want to reach out and pull them back. It's not my job. Now, toddler, yes, toddler, that's your job. Your sibling, maybe you can give them a yell. Yo, staircase approaching. <laughs> and probably, you know, in my case, they would turn around and they would say, leave me alone as they <laughs> fell down the staircase. <laughs> but I feel like I, I, I might have made boundaries seem mysterious and I didn't mean to if, if that happened. They're personal. Okay, yeah, this is better. They aren't mysterious, but they are incredibly personal. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And and what is a uh, a boundary for me that might be a foot from my chest might be an, a boundary for somebody else that's two inches from their chest, or it might be clear across the room for them. And, and that's a whole different negotiation when we are working with people to recognize different, different boundaries mm-hmm. and, and around different things. Sometimes people will accept um, physical help, but they don't want you to tell them what to do. Sometimes they will listen to all kinds of ideas that you have that might be good for them, but they don't want, they want you to touch them. They don't want you to do any physical thing. They don't want you to intercede in their physical space at all. Those are two kind of extremes. And they run the gamut like a, on a slide rule mm-hmm. in, in terms of, but if somebody reacts usually with anger, that's, you, that's, that's another sign that probably a boundary has been overstepped. And if you react, myself, if I react in anger, that means uh, for me, I collapsed a boundary for someone in some situation that, that was bad for me to collapse mm-hmm. or to even willfully lay down because we can willfully open the gate or whatever. Um, but I, I sometimes am like, mm. when I start to feel angry, I'm like, oh, I, I gave up in this situation and that situation and this situation. And that was not life affirming for me. And at the same time, this does not mean that in certain situations that you can't do that. Like when my mom was sick, my brother and I both went and stayed with her for about six months at the end of her life. He was able to transport his job and my previous job had ended. And so I had, hooray, unemployment, which allowed me to be present for her for what she needed without panicking about my 
survival. Any other time, probably wouldn't have done that. But if somebody gets sick, this is another important thing, caregiving. And so like having a baby, this is a big deal. Changes your whole life, changes your whole house, changes how you work with your spousal unit, um, <laughs> changes <laughs> your sleeping schedule. It's, a, I call it a precipitating event. <laughs> <laughs> And, and everything can ripple down from there. And in the beginning, that baby be so helpless that you really have to do everything. And that does change a lot of your boundaries. But then it's not a long time before you can start to establish some, some things that allow you to take care of yourself, you know. So husband, like, I'm going to take a bath. I'm going to take a bath for an hour. You are going to do whatever junior needs during that time. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And sometimes you have to be firm when you set a boundary. But it's, uh, you can tell when you did a good boundary because your body kind of goes, <sighs> it sort of, it sort of settles and relaxes a little bit. Mm-hmm releases some tension yeah so now we talked a long time yeah thank you I think that yeah that's everyone's gonna take this in and for me I think at the end of the day like a big reason why I recommend boundaries to my clients is to protect their energy so just how you said if you set a good boundary your body almost it's like a feeling of safety and a feeling of relief and um you know kind of based on what you were saying having to like connect with your body like boundaries are intuitive you really have to look inward and like you said they're personal you specifically have to figure out what feels good to you and then communicate them i think that that's kind of like a really nice summation of of everything we talked about um so i know you have a freebie for the listeners could you tell them a little bit about that sure it's a a chapter from a a book i was uh, part of a compilation book called joy on demand and my chapter is living with joy uh and it is healthy boundaries for highly sensitive intuitive intelligent, empathetic people, mm-hmm. because all of those things are great things and they can cause us to lose ourselves in, in communication with other people because we get a lot of extra information mm-hmm. that maybe uh, other people don't always get. Yeah. In the beginning, we can be getting this information and responding almost automatically without knowing it. So this uh, chapter in this book, uh, I separated my chapter out. And so people can just get that chapter. And then they, if they want the whole book, they can get it because there's several different essays, some on happiness and other areas. But for me, boundaries were, were really the thing that helped me to, uh, to stop overgiving, to stop burning myself out, to uh, 
just be at peace with who I was, you know, that I, I don't have to do this for this person to be okay. I'm okay. And if I have the time and the energy and they ask for something that I can do, then I can choose to do it. And that's a very different energy inside me than, than that I must do everything anybody asks for, mm. which was kind of where I started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so they can just download that. And, uh, and there's a couple of links inside of it to some videos, some short videos if they're interested in. And if anybody gets it and has any questions or if they say here where you do your podcast, if they communicate with you with questions or anything, I'm sure you can answer a lot of them very easily and I would be happy to do so. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Well, you were describing that. I was just thinking like, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. You need to make sure that your cup is filled and overflowing and then you're able to give to others in such a more present state instead of, yeah, basically trying to pour from an empty cup where you you only have so much left to give and then there's none left to give yourself at the end of the day. Well, and, and that's the perfect metaphor for, for a woman who wants to be pregnant. Mm-hmm. Your, your body has to be strong enough nutritionally and uh, energetically sleep-wise yeah. to sustain the growth of another human. Mm-hmm. It's such a miraculous thing, but also highly takes a high lot, lot of energy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of nutrients, a lot of everything. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a beautiful, there's a beautiful metaphor for life and for the adventures of living. Mm-hmm. And motherhood. And <laughs> motherhood. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your podcast and where the audience can learn more and connect with you. Okay. So I have a podcast called The Healing Path, which you, which is where how we met, which was so lovely. And so anybody who's following you, there, there is an episode with you talking about your healing journey. And uh, people can find me at dancingwithease.com. And The Healing Path is on my YouTube channel, which is at Ease TV. And there is some show also called at Ease TV, but mine is <laughs> different. It's funny. It is funny. Cracks me up. That's another boundary, right? (laughs) Very nice. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was a beautiful conversation and boundaries are extremely important no matter what age or stage you're in. Um, But I, I think especially, you know, in parenthood to really serve yourself, but also, you know, you're teaching your children that too at the end of the day. Because I'm sure you want your children to grow up feeling confident in in really advocating for themselves. I think that's also what boundaries come down to um, is advocating for like your wants and needs. So thanks so much for being on and yeah, have a great day. You too. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Rising into Mindful Motherhood podcast. If this episode resonated with you or gave you an aha moment, Stop what you're doing right now and write a review. 
This simple act of kindness helps me get this podcast out to connect with as many women as I possibly can. I also have a special offer. If you send me a screenshot of your review, I will take $250 off one of my premium coaching containers. Let me know what resonated with you the most and why. So connect with me and my free Facebook community or tag me on Instagram. You'll find both listed below. Thanks again from the bottom of my heart for tuning into this episode and I'll see you next time.